0: Well, hello, folks, and welcome to the Free Mind Podcast. Been a couple weeks, but uh it's been a couple weeks. So, lots <laughs> has happened. Lots. In those couple weeks. <laughs> lots has happened, man. It's been it's been quite the year. I was thinking, man. Uh, sorry, I'm not supposed to start, you know, making jokes this early in the episode. But <laughs> Go for um, it. if you had, you know. If you were at a uh, what do you call the New Year's Eve services? New were Year's you? Eve service is that what you call? <laughs> I, thought <laughs> I, <had> some, <laughs> I thought I thought it special name.
1: I don't know. I think New Year's Eve. Uh, okay, yeah, I can't uh, midnight. What like, like something? Yeah, one of those Sorry. special.
0: I forget uh, whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, if you were there in two thousand, like bringing in twenty twenty. Sure. And the prophet, pastor, evangelist, whoever was on stage, said, "This is your season this year. Just go on and write them as a false prophet."
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, Get out the stones, Because right. they lied. <laughs> they
0: they they were not walking in that truth. So, uh, uh, anyways, uh, this is this is this is not the world season twenty twenty. You're 2020, not crazy. The world
1: has gone mad. It's not you. It
0: has gone mad, but the Fremont podcast carries forward, there y'all. You go. Here we So we're we are. just no matter what happens, we're going to try to keep doing this podcast. Amen. So by so the, hey by the folks. Grace of God.
1: God. How y'all doing out there? Y'all yet holding on? Cause we are, we are trying. Yes. No, we are. We're good.
0: No, we're good. And me, just today. me and Nerva today, uh, hanging out in the studio, brother, brother Robles. He has some stuff we going on. You, Robles uh, in, in, in Florida. So y'all, y'all just pray. He's, mm-hmm. he's gotta, he's gotta bring the word next weekend at his church. Yes. So, <laughs> <We> <laughs> but anyways, uh, before we jump into today, man, it's going to be, you know, quite, quite the subject, but, um, just want to remind you that our, our sponsor and our friends at impact 360, you know, I cannot promote their gap year program enough. It's just, I, th- I think, so many people that are being raised up right now as articulate voices in our culture, um, and I won't go through and list them all. But many of them did not go to college, did not graduate college, mm-hmm. and I think they are articulate because they didn't graduate college. Oh, you are so <laughs> you funny. know partially planned. I'm <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an advocate of good education, but unfortunately, our our um, universities have been commandeered.
1: Be kind. by many
0: uh <laughs> let's say, let's just say destructive forces and yeah. destructive ideologies mm. and you know I'm j- all joking aside we I've seen many people man go go to university and just be so influenced in a negative way by the ideologies and the systems that are involved there, especially today, man, as it's getting more and more crazy, um, the stuff they're teaching the students, the Mm -hmm. brainwashing that's going on, the, uh, the lack of education and the putting forth of indoctrination. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're, if you're going to have to send your, your kids to university or or school, I would say, you know, check out schools like Hillsdale college and Liberty university too. They got some good Mm -hmm. programs there, but, um, If you're not going to send them there and they're going to go somewhere else, send them to Impact first um, to their Gap Year program, and it will really prepare them. Um, And even if they're going to go Liberty, I'd say do that too. But what what it is, they get a whole year of in depth training, leadership training from a biblical perspective. Mm -hmm. They learn the Christian worldview. They earn. They learn. You know how do you what is what does God have to say about? you know, psychology about government, about the arts and also reasons to know what we believe as Christians and also how to articulate it and how to defend it. And so they're really given the armor they need, the necessary armor to be not only get through college after that and university, but to actually thrive and make a difference for Christ. So gap your program at impact 360, check it out. Um, just can't recommend it enough. So, man you know part of the reason we are coming to this 2 weeks later is because there's just it's it's like a daily deluge of events hitting us and yeah you know one of the last things i want to do these days is be um reactionary and and um what's i'm i'm looking for the word i can't find right but we just kind of like have a knee jerk mm-hmm reactions to everything and just jumping in the noise there's so much noise going on and um you know i, I didn't want to do that i know that some of these subjects are so touchy and it requires nuance and, and kind of like slowing things down critically thinking about it from a biblical perspective and so we wanted to just give it a little bit of time before we jumped into it's the good. george floyd thing and the riots and and all that's going on and we're going to get to that i think they're are some things we need to express that are concerns I have right now for the church and how we are responding mm-hmm, to this crisis. Um, and I won't give too much away here, but, but I think there, there's some good things we can do right now and there's some very, very destructive things we can do. But before even getting into that, what, what I think, um, The thing that keeps sticking out to me over the past two weeks, and we just heard a message on this too today that was confirmed really a lot of what I was feeling. And it was the idea that one of the most needed things in the church right now is discernment. Mm. We really have to be a people who have discernment. The deception is so incredibly strong and seductive right now.
1: So good. So discernment, you mean being able to look at what you're reading on social media and tell whether this is truth or lies.
0: Yeah. So I think, yeah, discernment, being able to tell, you know, truth from falsehood. Yeah. Uh, good from evil. Good from just evil. The whole seen, gamut. Just want to make whole, sure. Yep. We're and on so. Same terms. Exactly. And so, you know, Isaiah, I think it was the prophet Isaiah, right? That said, truth has stumbled in the streets. Yeah. And, I think we are in that season right now where that is um, extremely exactly. true. The truth has stumbled in our streets, it's yeah. stumbled in our airwaves.
1: And I want to say this too, at least being able to um, or desire to do the research to find out if something is true or false and not, you know, we I hope we know by now that everything we see across social media is not factual. It's not always true it's always, there's always an agenda, there's a spin on it. So what are we to do? Yeah. Yeah. So, and it can be some, hard. It can it, be challenging. You know, there's like, I mean,
0: with YouTube this day, these days, you don't, sometimes you don't know who to trust. Like, is this a, is this some kind of crazy conspiracy theory or is, you know, the mainstream scientists, are they the conspiracy? <laughs> right? Like, who do you, who exactly. do you trust? and it can be really overwhelming
1: And what I love is that over time, you can look back and see because God uses time to reveal certain things. And if you are looking and you Mm -hmm. are sort of discerning, you can tell and see, okay, this
0: is bogus. Yep. And so I think... uh, Oftentimes time is our friend, you You know, unfortunately, sometimes we do have to speak into things, um, the, the the times uh, they're forced upon us. Like we have to say something we We can't take, you know, three years to decide something. But I think whenever you can, wherever you can take time. And here's, here's the main thing I want to, I want to start with today because we've actually had discussions about race, um, Mm -hmm. at our church. We've had people calling us and emailing us. And this is, the, this is the starting place. This is why I think the, the fruit of the church might be ripe for destruction or, you know, in many ways, like the, the harvest is ripe for apostasy and deception. Oh, <laughs> um, because, okay, you know, there, there is, I think, what many people have pointed out, we, broadly speaking, there has been a dearth or a lack of the preaching of the Bible in a comprehensive manner in our churches that's fully orbed and we're not really equipped to think biblically by and large, the person in the pew. And so you're really a sitting duck for deception. And many of you are probably like, man, I can't believe the veil that's on people's minds right now with regards to issues.
1: And you know what else too? I heard on a a message that um, the average time spent on an iPhone on social media is 10 hours per day. (laughs) So that's 10 hours a day, let's say five days a week. I'll be generous, five, not seven, but five days a week. And then you go to church on Sunday morning for a few hours. And if that's your diet, if that's your biblical diet, you are deceived. You are brainwashed. Yeah. You're not being able to discern at all. So it's like, here we are. What's your um, what's your intake? What's yeah. your uh, diet looking like? And so we're... You're, we're if you're not in your word daily, you know I used to say three times a week, but today it's these times require daily time with God, daily study to even stay sane, to stay Christian, yeah. to stay afloat above all of the the onslaught the deluge of deception that's going on right now. It's crazy
0: it's crazy, and you know I have a high respect for research, mm-hmm. I have a high respect for um you know rigorous intellectual pursuit but i but here's the interesting part okay it's not enough oh boy like some people think man i'm smart enough i could never be duped or i've been in ministry so long i could never be duped i do so much research i can never be duped but here's the thing i'm seeing people man i'm seeing people that have been giants in the faith Mm. that are absolutely deceived right now i'm seeing people that are really really smart that are being made to look fools Mm. like fools, you know? And so again, there's no quick and easy way to, to avoid being deceived. But I think one of the necessary conditions that's most foundational is we need to be in the scripture. This is, and this has been convicting me too. like for for every, for, for the amount of time we spend watching the news and social and looking at social media, we need to double, triple our Bible intake. Um, and we need to, Really, be spending time with the Lord in prayer and intercession.
1: Oh gosh, so good, so true.
0: And I think um, so if, true. If you're not doing that, you know, no no amount of YouTube deep dives <laughs> um, is gonna is gonna rescue oh, you.
1: Oh, it makes me sad, but it's so true. So and so, true.
0: Okay. yeah, friends, I just want we just want to encourage you today. Yeah. And that that's part of the reason we haven't been cranking out stuff is because I have felt the need to simply get before the lord Mm. and hear his voice we've got to push these other voices to the side for a while and, um, you know, you might be saying, well, what about this voice of free mind podcast? You know, that, <laughs> um, you know, I, I would apply that to us too. Like you sure. need to take time oh, just yes. and Thank lay you. down the podcast, even mm-hmm. just get before the Lord and, and maybe even pause now and do that if you haven't done it in a while and sit before his presence and seek his face, Ooh, not just to get it. the answers, but we need to be, we need to be conversant in, in the Bible. We need to be. Seeking yeah. him with everything we got. I think if you start there and then even ask him to guide your research, yeah. I think you're yeah. gonna have a a good starting point at least mm-hmm. um to to begin to wrestle through some of these issues i know that for me he often i i I can sense his hand his providential hand leading me even to where to go and that and that doesn't mean that that's an infallible barometer that everything i read must be true no but i i do and like you were saying this a minute ago nerva when you look back when i look back on it i can i can see oh man he really prepared me in advance by taking me through that subject matter Mm -hmm. um and that that we'll get into. Yeah. I think that even connects to this that's issue. It. He
1: draws us, but we have to do our part. You know, he tugs at us whenever you're on uh, social media and then you start feeling that icky feeling you've been on there too long. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the spirit saying, hey, uh, time to jump off here and let's just really feed our souls what we, we, we really need for nourishment. Yeah. And that's the, the bread, the bread of life. You know, we need that humility, the Holy Spirit, All of that good stuff will keep us (laughs) safer. That's it. Safer, so. And you know, that's what
0: we've been trying, in in these discussions, so hopping kind of into the George Floyd race um, topic. Mm. In these discussions, one of the things Nerv and I have been trying to do for ourselves and for others is say, hey, the Bible is sufficient for this issue, not Mm. to say that we don't won't read other things or or use other resources because, you know, that's not what the sufficiency of scripture means is that it excludes those other sources of truth. But what it means is we do have everything we need at the foundational level in the scripture. Like it it provides everything we need for life and godliness, including unity in the body. And I think even especially that issue, because it speaks to that quite often, even, even amongst like, um, the Greeks and Jews, you know, when the mm-hmm. when the early church was forming, you had these groups from radically different yeah. ethnicities, but also compounded with history of differences culturally and um, religious. So you sure. had all these differences. And even in that case, um, I read this passage the other night, I think it was, um, was it Ephesians 2, right? Um, starting in verse 10. But basically, yeah, check me on that. Mm-hmm but it says that unity has been accomplished in Christ. He has made the two one, the Greek and the Jew. And if, if, if the Greek and the Jew, you passing it to me, if you want it, you could. read as it say that. Yep. Unity in Christ. Hey, come on somebody get yeah. a point for uh right reference there.
1: So then remember this is chapter two, verse 11. So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised. Which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But Mm. now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace who had made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, in his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, that it's a beautiful chapter. It, go, it continues for there. But what I said the other night was he he did that, like he already yeah, did that. And done, yeah. so the That's question good. is, Or, you know, the thought is, well, why don't we see that sometimes? Mm -hmm. And I think I I said it's kind of parallel, I think, to sanctification, Mm. because really, you know, Christ not only purchased our forgiveness, which we call imputed righteousness, but he also purchased our sanctification, which we sometimes call, which is our imparted righteousness, Mm. where he makes us into the image of Christ. And what keeps us sometimes from walking that out as we walk in the flesh, we walk according to the old man. So yeah. I think the idea here with the unity is when when we're not seeing unity, something's going on with our flesh. Um, we are buying into the systems of the world. We're not being transformed by the renewing of our, our minds according yeah. to the scriptures. Yeah, that's it. And um, so, so I think step one is gonna be recovering the unity that's already been Given to us in Christ by yeah. the Spirit in the Word, and if we start there, then we can add, you know, kind of the the history books, the sociology books, and and even in the conversations. I think it is good to listen. We're hearing a lot, you know. Sure. We need to listen, and all that stuff is part of it. Mm-hmm. But I think if you try to do that without doing the other first, you're not going to get very far. Sure. So I'd say that's step one. Um, but you know there there is a there is a part of it where it is good to recognize the history of oh, yeah. our nation and how it affects the present
1: absolutely and i think talking through things acknowledging things is a huge part of the healing process you know a lot of times people are forced to just move forward with no closure no talks no um talk of healing but it is powerful when the two opposing sides come together under Christ to truly acknowledge, let's just say this is what it was, this is what it is, and renounce it, reject it, and move forward and talk about let's, let's, let's do life together the way Christ yeah. meant for us to do. Let's move forward and let's love according to knowledge. Because at the end of the day, we all want to be loved and to be found significant. We want to matter to each other and we want to... We, we 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 don't want stri- to well some most don't want to live in strife yeah. but in the body in the church um i think it's good to to um to talk through things to come together and acknowledge and to see people you know jesus saw the woman at the well he knew all the history knew all the background and and spoke to her situation saw her and spoke life and brought love and healing and so there is a process it's not Easy. It's not yeah. just sometimes it's not just a simple prayer, but it's a long life journey, but so worth it. You know, I, I remember attending a church that I watched it transform from maybe 80 percent predominantly white and a pastor had a fire and a passion mm. to see the nations come together. And over the next five years, I mean, it became such a beautiful um, picture of The end where all nations gather together, every tribe and tongue. I mean, I'd look down the row and I'd see Indian, Hispanic, black, (laughs) Asian. It was so beautiful. And I think that's the heart of God is to not um, force it, but to let it be done in love and knowledge and and beauty the way um, I think the way he came to show us how to do it. You know, I think of the tax collector and, and Peter and uh, Matthew and Peter, um, you know, they they the Jews hated tax collectors, <laughs> but somehow Jesus managed to have help them walk together and become brothers. And by the end of the road, I mean, they both went out and changed the world, like along with the other disciples. But um, I think, like you said, it's humanly possible in our own strength. Why would we love our enemies? Yeah. Why would we do that other than the heart of Christ in us? Causing that to happen and, and, and birthing that desire in us, wanting to um, pray that prayer. Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. And let me extend a hand of forgiveness. Let yeah. me overcome this in my own soul and extend life to someone else through forgiving Yeah, man, changing that. So.
0: No, that's good. And I think, you know, yeah, that's beautiful. There are so many things we could talk about here. Right. But Wrap, let's start yes. let's let's do it like this so okay. i want I'm gonna talk about some concerns I have okay in a little bit but let's talk about you know because the the thing about it anytime chaos happens or you know a challenge a major um challenge comes our way the enemy likes to come and try to interpret it, but God also has an interpretation Sure. and you know the enemy wants to wield it in mm-hmm. in toward you know stealing killing destroying. And I think God wants to wield it toward new levels of freedom and wholeness and unity. And, you know, that we, I think we have that opportunity set before us. And I was just thinking, you know, even when we talked about this the other night. So if we have that biblical foundation, the spirit foundation, but, you know, in marriage, you know, we're married clearly. So you can have that, but sometimes it can also help to have some understanding, have dialogue, sure. right? And like, if we've had a history of yep, (laughs) like, you know, we've had issues and even if I'm spiritual, if you come and share with me stuff and I just dismiss it, Mm -hmm. I dismiss your feelings or I say, oh, you're wrong about that or whatever, right out of, right out of hand, we're not going to get very far Mm -hmm. in trying to um, work through issues. And I think one of the things that has happened with this discussion in in throughout the history of, well, let's just say the recent history when I've seen it happen in churches is sometimes kind of conservative Christians or, you know, believers have been too quick to dismiss, mm. um, the experience of black folks in America, mm. because sometimes they're reacting against another extreme version that they're seeing out there. And so I think, um, How do, what are some of the positive ways you think we could, I guess this, this whole experience, what are some of the ways we could use it positively that could lead us in the right direction?
1: Oh gosh. I think the, I think the pressure is so great right now. There's no way to ignore it. And I think to pause and to look at it, to um, assess and address it is good Um, I think every pastor in America right now has, has given it some thought, at least if not conversation thought, because it's everywhere. And I think it's something maybe God is unearthing so that we can finally address and get it right. So I think one positive is. Across the country, we can finally look at it and say, okay, what have we done? What has worked? What's not working? Yeah. How do we finally do something to um, truly bring health and wholeness? How do we bring parties to the table to, um, I think, first hear stories? I think yeah. that seems to be the trend right now. If we, right. We, you know, persons want to be heard and no longer dismiss it and let's just get together and talk about this. And so yeah. I think that's the positive is that um it's being addressed. Yeah. If it has never been addressed before, it's being addressed and so um and and sometimes you know
0: it can be hard, right? If you really go through something bad and someone doesn't acknowledge it for what it is. Oh, it's horrible. Like even, it's, yeah. it's
1: it's painful and it's yeah. it's a wound and you know you you um some persons are able to just go to God and receive healing there. But it's it's a different thing when you're facing it constantly or you're in a situation where the wound is um, being kind of poked on every now and then and it just gets sore all over again and you have to relive it. And so race relations in this country is is a tough yeah. situation. And in the church, it's even um, it can be even more difficult because it's supposed to be right there. It's yeah. not supposed to be an issue in the body, but it is. Yeah. And um, lots going on in church. You've got the word preaching. You've got the worship. You've got all of these activities and studies. But doing life with people is where um, it happens, where yeah. either the rubs or the relationships are forming properly or Um, being, um, lived out. And so when you have a multicultural church and you have, um, cultures that have never been exposed to other cultures before, um, it's good to just kind of just, let's, let's just gather together. Let's do life. Let's see. Okay. You. What, what do we have in common? What's different? What can I celebrate about you? And the Bible speaks of that. Lift the interest of others up above yourselves. But yeah. that takes intentionality. It takes, you have to intentionally, is that the right word? Intentionally yeah. do it. Or um, the love of Christ in you compels you to. Um, it's easy to just be selfish and just focus yeah. on yourself, your own culture, what you're just used to. But um, I think God calls us to the high calling of really seeing people for who they are, celebrating others, where they are, and, and noticing when there's pain, noticing when there's uh, a wound that needs healing. And the body plays a huge part of that. So I think that's another positive is the yeah. healing that can come when we gather together and um, address.
0: For sure. And I think you said this a minute ago, but what can compound the pain at times is when the church has fallen short and it has, you know, and I th- so I think there's a couple things going on. Um, there's a real tendency in our culture and in our education right now to completely vilify the, the America. Okay. Um, to reinterpret the essence of the nation. There's something called the 1619 Project. If you're not aware of it, I think they partnered with that? the with the uh, New York uh, Times. Paper in some kind of way, but it's basically it re it, it it completely gives a different framework to America and says America really started in 1619 when slavery when mm, slaves were first okay. brought to Virginia, okay. and that's the essence of America. It's plunder, it's um, racism, it's slavery. It's mm. you know it's it's basically the, we're an, it's an evil villain on the world stage, and sometimes that that extreme version it's what's that's really what kids are being indoctrinated in so conservatives sometimes will react to that by over um whitewashing the history of america and making it sound like no 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 it was all good good, and it wasn't it wasn't ever that bad you know and i think i don't think many thoughtful conservatives do that but sometimes by the time it gets translated down to your middle school textbook it can it can appear like Mm -hmm. oh america was so perfect mm-hmm. not the middle school textbook these days but sure, you know maybe 30 yeah. 40 years ago um and so i think what happens is you get folks that are um they have kind of a naive understanding that you know america has always been the good guy never did anything bad and then they're kind of taught this you know 16 19 doctrine and the, you know, America is the evil. And, and often it looks really attractive to them. So they jump into that um, really revisionist history, which is completely faulty and, and misinterpreted on many, many levels. Mm. But I think one one of the things that can help is to have a kind of eyes wide open understanding of of the history of America to see the really, really good and amazing things that God did Mm -hmm. through the birthing of this nation, but also the deep and evil sin that happened and its application in many cases to not only the indigenous people that were here, but also, um, black folks and others who were, you know, different times that have, um, really have historically been systematically, Oppressed um enslaved, and yeah. then you know codified laws that were aimed at their um destruction, and so I think we have to have a realistic understanding of that when we do, I think you will still see this as the greatest country on earth, not because the people were amazing, but because of the ideals that really through God's providence, he allowed to get put into those early documents that allowed a nation to eventually be mm-hmm. part of what got rid of slavery in Western civilization. And eventually Martin Luther King could look back to it and say, yes. cash in the ideals of the declaration of independence now in the civil mm-hmm. rights movement. So I think we need to, you know, after we're, you know, we're grounded in the word, we are with the spirit. We also need to understand the the false indoctrination that's going on to completely vilify America, but also not adopt the whitewash version, but have a have a good understanding of the the positives that what Os Guinness calls the better angels of American mm-hmm. history and also understand the downside and how the downside affects the present For so sure. i think I think that can sometimes be a helpful discussion for people that have never thought about it. Like that might just assume, well, the past is the past and it doesn't really mean anything, but there are so many communities that have been so negatively affected by that past that it sometimes can be helpful to understand that and to explain it. And I know even you, for you, you've, you know, you said in college with your, I don't know if these your professors or your parents who told you, you, it was just understood that if you were going to get ahead as a dark oh, yeah. skin.
1: I think um, going back to what you said, knowing your history or knowing your story is powerful. I think it's yeah. good to... Um, you know, it, it, it empowers you because you know what your you've been through. Your ancestors have been through. I remember sitting with my mom one day and asking her some deep questions of what was going on in her in her life during um, my birth, and yeah. it was so eye opening and so rich, and um, helped me to understand you know some of my challenges, some of my right. strengths and things, and yeah. so knowing your story and what went on the past 50 years prior to your birth. It's just really, really good to know, but it also empowers you to um, move forward and um, plays a part in your determination, your healing, your, your desire to, to press. But yeah, growing up as a a Haitian American in this country, uh, it was just understood. I cannot remember the specific time it was spoken, but it's just in the air, and the water you swim in that in order to um, be successful or to, to get ahead, you had to perform better than your, your white brothers and sisters in order to even get a chance or a mm-hmm. foot in the door. And so that was some of the things we just knew. We just knew, you know, this is a, this is a country that, um, uh, you know, favors a certain yeah. culture, sometimes seemingly above other cultures. And so you have got to. Sore, You've got to slay in order to uh, get ahead. And so, yeah, that's something I, I remember hearing and knowing and understanding.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's good. You know, I think for some people that have never even thought about that, like these occasions can offer the opportunity for someone to have, you know, just none of us are, are omniscient and we all have a small sliver of experience human oh, yeah. experience so we're all always going to have those moments but i think particularly with black folks in this country the history of it is good to for these times to maybe cause us to step back and say man that that is that Eye-opening. is something yeah and i think we could still say man greatest country on earth nowhere i'd rather be and there's a reason yes. everybody wants to come here and those reasons are because of the again because of the fundamental ideals yep. um that that God sovereignly and providentially put in this nation while still admitting yeah. the downside and the, um, the evil that was committed and how that evil affects the present. And then raises questions like, well, so, so how then shall we live? Right? Like yeah. what should we do about it? And then yeah. Yeah. I think, but even before how then shall we live? I think what I'm seeing many people, black folks that have been, you know, in white churches or even maybe not in white churches, but, They're feeling like, man, for the first time, I'm able to speak honestly and reveal my experience in my heart with uh, my white brothers and sisters in the evangelical world where in the past they might have just dismissed out of hand. I knew not to go there.
1: There's an open door for sure that may have been shut. Um, And, you know, it's scary to to be vulnerable and to Mm. walk to um, your your white brothers sister and sisters say, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Cause you don't know how people will respond. Yeah. But I think, like I said, one of the good things that I don't know, maybe, you know, the enemy means for bad, but God turns around for good is that, um, there is an open door for us to possibly get this right. Or at yeah. least start the healing process because, um, it's just real. You, not everyone has the same experiences, but right. there are some experiences here that some don't re- don't, don't, right? don't reflect the kingdom, even in the church. Yeah. And so it's you've you've had your um, run ins or your your rough edges because of race. And so now I don't think we don't want to be here 100 years from now. Right. We want to come to the table. We want to say, hey, why is this an issue? What is the issue? Let's reject it. Let's reject racism. Let's reject looking at people, sizing them up because of the color of their skin, and let's reject um, not hearing people, not hearing their story, or not being willing to, um, if you're able to, um, play a part in yeah. that process. And uh, for the and true brother and sisterhood right. in Christ, exactly. not this forced. Yeah, it's we'll, cool now to have a black person on the worship team. You look, you know, <laughs> you. And, I, I, and I get that. You start somewhere, like I said, what the enemy means for bad. Sometimes what doesn't start out super pure, it ends up being an awesome thing because God can turn it around for good. But um, yeah, I think all over the country there's definitely, I'm seeing awesome prayer walks. I'm seeing peaceful demonstrations of churches coming together, pastors on Twitter and everybody else just doing things that um Though there is a lot of chaos, there's a lot of healing going on, too. Right. And I love that.
0: No, that's, that's, I think you're exactly right. And, yeah, we haven't had too many, I would say, overt racist things happen as an interracial couple in the church. We've had, you know, maybe a few over the years. Um, but not too many overt things. I think there's been a lot of progress in that sense. Um, you don't see too, too much, or I, I don't notice too much of that anymore. When I was a kid, I probably might have seen a little bit more. And then maybe my granddad's day a, a lot more. Uh, and then, you know, Tony Evans' book, Oneness Embrace, he talks about his history in the evangelical church and how he did face, in many cases, um, unfortunately, some overt racism. And he ended up being the first African American to graduate with a PhD from Dallas Theological Seminary, yeah. and the process toward that was mm-hmm. a bit challenging. And I heard even Martin Luther King was denied some conservative seminaries um, yeah. because of his skin color, and that which is why he ended up going to a liberal seminary, unfortunately, Jeez. and that you know influenced some of his theology in a negative way. But um, you know that that history is unfortunate. On the other hand, it was ex- it was the Christian witness that broke the slave broke the back of the slave trade in the UK through William Wilberforce. It was what drove Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement. It was the worldview that led to the, the abolition of slavery in the West and the ideals of equality for all quote unquote races, all ethnicities, um, because everyone was made in the image of God. So you have, again, you have this mixed bag even in the church because I would say the reason that we're even, that we even value, um equal e- equality among the ethnicities in America is cuz of that Christian heritage yet mm-hmm. there were times in our in our Christian heritage particularly in the south where the church didn't live up to that standard and they let the culture influence the way they even interpreted and applied the bible mm-hmm. and it, it, i would say misinterpreted and misapplied the bible sure. and so we're in this mix but but i think nowadays um where i see where I see a lot of opportunity, I think is is in these discussions to understand where people are coming from, to actually reach out and get to know people across historical boundaries where we may not have in the past, mm-hmm. but also maybe I was thinking about this example the other day, like you know occasionally we'll we'll get into it. We'll, we'll get, have a, have a fight or something. And then later on when the emotions cool down, I'll be like, so, or you'll be like, when you say this, here's how it makes me feel. And I was like, Oh, I don't even mean it like that. Like yeah. I don't, you know, and, and there are sometimes like cross culturally, where you can be unknowingly oh, yeah. insensitive to another culture Absolutely. and you could take that Woo. too far, right? Cause we're, sure. I think these days we, we tend to be oversensitive, yeah. but there is a reality of like when you're doing interethnic church or multi, multi-ethnic churches where through those dialogues, I think you can learn that man. There are ways that I might have not been unaware that I'm that I'm making this person feel like an outsider. For sure. Um, any <laughs> of those thoughts? Any thoughts coming? Oh mind yeah.
1: That? I mean, I remember. You know, I've been um, blessed to travel in diverse circles, and one of those experiences is with diverse city band, and we were, oh gosh, diverse economically. I mean, culturally, generationally, it was. Over time, you develop relationships where you can um, allow a person, a safe place to really express themselves and come to you as a brother and a sister. Hmm. and through the love and power of Christ, say, "You know what? I know you when you said this 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 sounded awkward to me, and it makes yeah. me feel like this and on the on the receiving end. It takes humility to really hear it and understand it. And though you didn't mean it that way, yeah. you did it. And so with that, humility on both ends to, to um, extend grace <laughs> and to extend forgiveness. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's the power of Christ. I think that's when true light comes in and shines because, um, you know, to hold on to an offense, that is just a place where the enemy is waiting to come in and wreak havoc on your soul. And next thing you know, you become an embittered person where it's just simply communicating in a safe place where you can just go and say, Hey, listen, because I love you, I want to say this. Let's not say this because this is sounds awkward. It doesn't, it sounds where I come from, you'd be considered racist. And yeah. so let's not say that or let's just redefine that word what's that what does that word mean what do you mean when you say that mm. or different things like that and it's through the context of relationship and family that you're able to do that in Christ but i'm telling you i'm learning too that as a christ follower and even being in an interracial rela- marriage you really carry the ministry of reconciliation on you mm. <laughs> it's not something you you forget about you constantly have to um maybe not constantly it depends on the journey that you're on right it's a teaching position it's a you take the high role and you the love of christ shows you how to love people and tell them in truth and grace this is how it is this is the deal and yes we're married but this is how it is you know <laughs> what i mean it's like yeah, it's it's if not always. you don't always, carry a chip on your shoulder, you don't carry sorry. a chip on your shoulder, and you you don't you're not quick to pick gracious. up an offense. Yeah, be gracious because. Our father and not is picking gracious. up an
0: offense, I think, is a sign of a mature person, a more mature believer. You know.
1: Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I try good. to tell her all that's the time. Good.
0: <laughs> You know, but no, I think that's good. So I think th- there's a there's some positive d- discussions we could have around that in the church and how, you know, as a majority culture, you're going to have your preferences and stuff. But I think if you're trying to invite people, make them feel welcome, that don't fit that majority culture, whatever it is, there, there can be helpful discussions we can have and say, how do we invite people to, to the table and make them feel welcome, make them feel like we value mm-hmm. their cultural her- heritage as well within reason however we can you know accommodate wherever we can accommodate but you know just those discussions I think can be helpful and I think that that's the potential we have in this thing right now and mm-hmm. we're we're starting to get low on time here oh, and so okay. um I want to go ahead and jump into the concerns I think the concerns okay. I have about what's going on right now or for me they're more present i'm, I'm probably more pessimistic than i am optimistic you? <laughs> about, about what i see going on right now in reaction to this whole thing um and and first of all you know i think oof, when you watch any of those videos with Ahmad arbery we did a recent thing oh, with gosh. ryan bomberger on that topic um and you watch the one with george floyd it's it's just man it's devastating it's and
1: heartbreaking it, and it's painful.
0: Yeah, it's so painful. And it's like, you don't even know how to, like, how do I categorize this? Um, how do I even, man, Lord, what, what is this? What's going on? And I think for many people, it's such a shock. It just, man, I've never seen this strong of a reaction. We we were aware of all the stuff that happened four years ago mm-hmm. when it was, um, you know, it was Freddie Gray, Alton Sterling, Michael Brown, Philando Castile, and a, a few other young black men who were killed by cops that year. I think it was 2015, 2016. And at the time, you know, that's when we put out our song, Brother, and we were trying to encourage kind of this unity in the body, unity among among ethnicities. And, and there was this whole battle going back and forth um, in this issue. Well, I I didn't know a lot about the ideologies that were being tossed around at the time, and I, I remember during that time we were actually in Chicago. We went to see Cornell West speak uh, downtown, and then we went to Chicago. Uh, yeah in Chicago. And if you don't know, he's a he's a well-known uh, black philosopher, um, maybe theologian as well of sorts. I didn't know much about him at the time, but uh, really moving, like rhetorically and intellectually gifted, uh, gentleman. And, um, later on when the Charlotte stuff happened, there was, there was some kind of riots that had happened in Charlotte and we called down, we, we had a church friend down there. They brought us in and we came there to do like a racial reconciliation concert. And the pastor there gave me some books at the time. One of them was Ta-Nehisi Coates. Uh, I think it was the, the world between the lines or something like that. But anyway, so I was listening to Cornell West reading Ta-Nehisi Coates. Like Kind of chopping this stuff up, and it was really interesting. I had never encountered literature like that before, and I didn't really know how to categorize it. But it was very moving, and it was rhetorically engaging. But I, I picked up a couple things in it, both West's speech and Coates' book, that I thought didn't ring right. Because I, and I'll just point out really quickly one of those things. I had studied epistemology before pretty in depth the that's the philosophical branch that deals with theories of knowledge and how you come to know things well i noticed in Coates' book that he was saying you know basically if if you are a, a white person then you should you should always believe the black person about for instance if they say america is racist mm. it's true because they're black and they would know because they're on the downside and i thought Huh. Epistemologically, that's an interesting thesis. That's going to throw you into some problems because different people are going to say different sure. stuff on both of those. So I didn't know. I didn't know the terminology at the time. vody Bakum has a, um, a teaching on YouTube called ethnic Gnosticism. I didn't know that he kind of coined that term to describe this point of view. But I knew something was wrong with it. Anyways, fast forward, I start seeing all this stuff go, going on and, and that eventually I discovered was called critical theory. And we've got a couple podcasts on that from season one. I'd, I'd rec- highly recommend you go back and listen to those where we interview Neil Shinvee. He's you know really knowledgeable about critical theory and critical race theory. In fact, next week, our episode is going to be on critical race theory with Neil, which is a bit different from critical theory, but a lot of overlap. So, you'll want, you'll definitely want to check that out. But, long story short, what I found out was there was a whole ideology and undercurrent that was very popular in this world. Ta Nehisi Coates being a representative, Ibram X. Kendi, um, Robin D'Angelo, Peggy McIntosh, Kimberly Crenshaw, these authors that, um, s- Some have broadly cashed this out as cultural Marxism, and sometimes that can be used as a, you know, kind of a conversation stopper and overused at times. But I think it's a pretty helpful terminology. But anyways, what I what I noticed was on the back end of the George Floyd thing, I started noticing many church leaders and churches recommending some of these books To educate themselves, Mm -hmm. I started noticing people say, Hey, here's what you need to read if you really wanna kind of ally with the black community in this season. And because I have been down that road and because I've really researched that stuff in depth, I know the dangers that the ideology itself is actually poisonous and it's quite harmful to race relations and I would say to the black community. Um, so there's, there's one piece of it was going in fact, like the next, it may still be, but the top two Amazon bestseller books were Robin DiAngelo's white fragility and, uh, Abram X. Kendi, um, how to be an anti-racist anti-racism is a whole category of kind of applied critical race theory. That's real popular right now. It redefines terms like, um, racism, white supremacy. It, it broadens all those terms anyways, white privilege is also another concept that comes from um Peggy McIntosh that's being tossed around. So what I was noticing was a lot of kind of um white evangelicals repenting of their white privilege online and stuff. And, and my concern with with that is not the popular concept of white privilege but the Ideological context of that terminology and, and what they were implying by it, and all these things, I, I, I thought to myself, "Man, I'm I'm really concerned that the enemy is using this occasion to bring in an anti biblical ideology into the church even more."
1: Are you able to give an example of how it is anti biblical? Like, give me one of the nuggets from the book. I didn't read it, so how is it? Um, yeah, so dangerous. So that um, evangelicals are taking this in.
0: Yeah, so um one of the one of the aspects I I would say critical theory broadly, again okay. we, we did the Gin Hatmaker episode. So what happens is you 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 kinda start picking up the breadcrumbs and you go down this trail and this trail has one end goal and it has very little stop off points on the way. Um some of the dangers are of it. It redefines sin. Ooh. Um it okay. doesn't it doesn't hold really individuals responsible, responsible. Okay. um for sin it's it's really more original sin for instance on this model is sometimes called whiteness gotcha. um it's it's okay. you know racism is the only unpardonable sin it's yes. it's um it's this idea that really you are you are sinful if you're on it and i'll have to i, I would kind of have to go through the whole thing like uh, the oppressor you're, oppressed okay. categorization sure. but um if for instance you are a white male cisgender heterosexual uh able body native american you are in the oppressor group and your sin is that you don't um ally with the oppressed Um, that's your, your original sin really is your whiteness and your privilege and your oppression. You're part of this oppressive group. And the only way to redemption is to really ally with the oppressed group by adopting their whole mentality on whatever given subject is. Um, and so that, that is your, so the, 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 and the method toward that is activism. Um, as played out in the social justice, modern framework, um, that, so, so on that model, for instance, you know, you think about how to do church life. You can't really help your brother or sister that if you're in the wrong side of that two tiered thing, you could never correct them, for instance. Oh, my. Okay. Um, you know, you wouldn't be allowed to. You could only repent of your, you know, privilege and that. And lay it. It, it's a whole thing. Sure. I would say a sure. secondary thing of it is the epistemological framework, the, the, um, the yeah. yeah, the Gnostic, um, ethnic Gnostic, okay. Gnosticism, where, um, you know now we're in a case where you you're you will actually see evangelicals saying if if you are a white male you can't you can't understand the Bible properly. you have to listen to someone who is oppressed because the Bible was written by people who were oppressed, mm. and so if you wow. are a white male, that will blind you to understanding the scripture. You can see overt um tweets and stuff like that coming from actually popular Evangelical um, leaders, mm. they will dismiss, um, you know, whole swaths of people, not based on actually dealing with the evidence, but based on their group identity. Yeah. And, and the only way to, again, to ally and get in and, and repent of your sin of that gr- being identified with that group is to lay down your theology and agree with them. So it becomes like a a weapon to. um sort of get people locked into where they're just, there's no dissent allowed. Wow. And we see how that happens on the the political realm. So for instance, critical theory, this is how it plays out with the Kavanaugh case. It was believe women Mm -hmm. because you had a male female dynamic in that case. Along the axis of gender, um, the male is the oppressor, the female is the oppressed. And so if the oppressed brings, um, a an accusation—they accusation. just—they have to be believed without any evidence. Yikes! Um, okay, and that would happen too. Like if you're straight and a gay person accuses you, you know the gay person yeah. would be the quote-unquote sexual gay minority. It's okay. how it all works out. So, fast forward to the Joe Biden case. Oh, see, they don't believe Tara reed auto- automatically. Then they say, "Well, we take her seriously, but mm-hmm. we don't believe her." Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> So what it, what it is it's a one way weapon it's really it's a it's an applied postmodernism cuz it's used to ward off any mm-hmm. any need to bring evidence to bear or any objective pursuit yeah. of knowledge wow. And it just says all of that is power play and we're just going to utilize it for whatever we want. So you can see how that would easily undermine Christian truth. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one quick other aspect of critical theory, the hegemony, they think all cultural hegemony, which means like cultural norms of a dominant culture or whoever controls the norms of a culture. It doesn't necessarily have to be the majority statistically, but just the people that control the norms. So there's more women than men in the U S for, for instance, but they still call it patriarchy because the men supposedly determine what is the norm in the culture. Um, and so all hegemony on critical theory is thought of as immoral. So you overthrow it. But the problem is Neil says this too, like the Bible is one long hegemonic discourse, Mm. So there are there are always norms. And that's why when you adopt critical theory, it's really hard to adopt the racial element of it without then also committing yourself to the pro-gay theology and overthrowing the oppression of the Christian Western civilization and the patriarch, you know, capitalism It all. It's an it's a kind of an all inclusive package. So this is this is this is what I see. I see people that don't understand the theory that out of a good heart and out of compassion, they're being told if you really want to ally, you have to, here's the education material, read Read this. And then they start reading the books and then it the ideology takes hold of their minds. Mm. And then before long, they actually move into progressive Christianity. Many times, many times from there, they move into atheism or Eastern religion and not to create some kind of, um, alarmist slippery slope, but that there is a reason there's an ideology re, ideological reason why they move to those places because of the logical connections that it makes for you. And our minds want to work on logic. So once you adopt the presuppositions, it's hard not to j- adopt the implications. So we'll talk about that next week, more in depth, mm. the critical race theory, we're going to have Neil on, he's going to explain that particular thing more in depth, go back and listen to the critical theory episodes. But, yeah, what you got?
1: Why don't you uh, name a couple of books or materials you've read that speak on race, (sighs) racial? From a Um, biblical perspective? uh, From a biblical
0: perspective. Yeah, yeah. So I think, again, Tony Evans' uh, Oneness Embraced book is really helpful. And I think one of the reasons that is is because, you know, he faced that real racism. Mm Mm-hmm. Like overt, not the redefined kind that we use. Again, part of the anti-racist vocabulary is to call things racist that we wouldn't have called racist historically, according to the dictionary. They've extended it to mean Mm -hmm. if you vote this way, you're racist, or if you don't ally with this movement, you're racist, or if you, you know, all that kind of stuff. So Tony Evans faced, I'll, I'll call it real racism, but he still didn't give in to very similar ideology that was popular during his time called black liberation theology that was popularized by James Cone. He actually argued against Cone. So he, he had the the strength and the courage to stand even in this world that didn't accept him, but still get still reject the false theology that was undermining the biblical theology of his day. So i recommend that there's a book called racial gridlock by uh, George Yancey uh that's a the biblical perspective on and then I would also highly recommend Neil Shinvey and Pat Sawyer's book. Um they have a little critical theory book by uh published under Ratio Christie that you can get for free. And it will alert you to these issues. Okay, so concerns. Yeah. Um couple concerns. One of them is I think the enemy is using this for a chance to get in this ideology, which is, like I said, inherently anti-biblical. And as an implication of its anti-biblical position, it actually creates way more division. So I said this to you the other day. uh, Because it was actually made, like when you understand cultural Marxism, it was created to divide and to overthrow power structures. And so it's doing exactly what it's meant, what it's designed to do. And um that's why I th- I think we need to reject it and confront it at every every everywhere we can. And I said the other day, you know, I I'm yet I've I've now that we've been around this a few years, I've seen a I've seen more and more attempts to use critical theory and critical race theory to supposedly um you know, get rid of racism, bring about unity. I've never seen it bring unity. Mm. I've seen the Spirit and the Word bring unity naturally yeah. many times, uh, especially yes. in our ministry in Tampa Sub 30. You know, there's just a natural unity that took place when we mm-hmm. focused on gospel truths and the King, and we and we made space for people to dialogue and understand just kind of common sense principles. Sure, sure. But um the other does not work. So I, I just if you are. If you're at a church where they're recommending those books, um, you know, feel free to email me. I'll give you resources. but be very aware of this move right now, and you want to reject it. The other thing is, I think the political leap, um, and we'll talk very quickly about this, but you know what gets highlighted by the media? You need to be aware there's a very specific reason they highlight what they highlight. What's that meme you saw the other day with the coronavirus?
1: Oh. You mean with the SUV? Yeah. Oh gosh, it was so funny. There was an S Su- it was a picture of an SUV, the driver in in the driver's seat, and it looked like the door had been open and this person was kicked out of the car, sort of laying on the side of the road. And the caption said, um your services are no longer needed, COVID-19. And so it was like, okay, goodbye <laughs> COVID. Here's the new tactic, yeah, and which is all of the rioting and all of the looting. And um, it's just really sad. At one point, the economy was completely affected and everyone was totally um, told to stay indoors. Don't come out. It's illegal. You have to remain six feet apart. All of a sudden... That took a backseat, and you don't hear anything about it. Um, And all of a sudden, looting is is in some places legal. But it's still illegal to be out and 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 just enjoy your family at a park. Yeah. You might be taken to the station or whatever. So why is that? You have to ask these questions. You have to be discerning and look out and see. Okay, are we being played here? Who yeah. are the? Who are these? What is the agenda? What are the lies? And know what you're dealing with because it's. Yeah, it's these guys crazy. are going gangster. The the mask is oh. off. Um, the gloves are it's off. Been unveiled.
0: <laughs> And if you don't see it, I, I just encourage you, please go back and look at the hist- the last four years. I mean, media has been off for many years. In fact, we watched this speech at Harvard by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, famous Russian Christian author who had, you know, faced the camps of Russia during the communist regime. And this was in the, what was the 80s, babe? When he spoke this, I think it was the 80s. Oh, 79. I think. 79 anyways he was talking about he was talking about the fake news not in those terms but he was talking about the the misuse of media back then in the western world specifically in america so it's nothing new the the media has been leftward bent for a while but i think now it's it's this extreme version so you want to go back and look at what were they saying about the russia stuff what were they saying about the ukraine stuff what were they saying about um the Kavanaugh stuff. In every case, they were saying bombshell, the you know, Trump's on his way out, Trump's on his you know, all this stuff, completely lying, completely distorting the truth. Now the COVID thing comes and they want to shame everybody that's that's even thinking about going to a a gathering if it's the church. Um and then all of a sudden this same media turns around a week later and they're arguing that rioting and, and looting is okay and and not taking sure. into account at all that all these people now are many of them maskless and, you know, rubbing shoulders with each other. Even the, what was it? The uh, governor of Michigan who had just, um, just really come for the guys that were, um, Basically um, gathering to protest the shelter in place, according to them, draconian measures that were being taken, taken place. And the media was all over them for not caring about people and saying that COVID was going to spread the again. Fast forward a week or two later, the governor's is out there marching with oh, people. Gosh. So. You, you, if you just got to see this stuff, there's so much politics. Mm -hmm. There's so much deception involved. You can't get swept into the narrative. They are completely, um, propagating these false narratives and they don't, they'll take whatever they can use. And so you have to separate fact from fiction. You know, this idea that LeBron tweeted that we're being hunted down every day. That's exactly the kinds of things they want to highlight and want to create that illusion. Are there racial problems? Sure. Um, are they the kind that, that um, led to the riots? No, that was a media creation in the same way that the coronavirus was a real thing, but it was Absolutely. the hysteria attached to it based on false models that led to the shelter in place um, and draconian measures, particularly the ones that the blue states, the governors, are, are trying to keep going. Did you have something you wanted to add to that?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to um, remind everyone too that the major uh, emotion or feeling during COVID was fear. Everywhere you turn, there was a lot of fear. And now the emotion um, is hatred and, and guilt and, and lots of anger. And so just beware of what you're feeling as you're scrolling yeah. because it's intended to arouse that. Yep. And you you interpret, like we're saying, through a biblical perspective, what are you seeing What is wrong, what is right, and what does God desire, and you just pray that on end. You just call on heaven to call that down and you reject every lie you see and don't take it in and just yeah, keep keep growing in that skill because there's lots of practice for that these days.
0: And here and here's the last little piece before we jump off here. You know, here's the next leap. So here's the thing. They want to create a narrative and then the solution to the narrative that they want to create Uh is vote Democrat. Now, I'm not going to tell you which way to vote here. I think I think at this point to vote for the Democratic Party almost across the board is lunacy because of how leftward they have turned and wedded themselves to a crazy progressive ideology. But that's that's aside. You know, you, you want to develop a biblical worldview on government and we you know we the people rule so we have the responsibility to know on what basis how do we rule? Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to know the issues. We need to understand the nuances. But let, just uh, Bethany said this last week. Bethany Bomberger mm-hmm. and Nerva, you've lived this. If the solution to the problem in Minnesota is voting Democrat, then it doesn't f- seem to work because Minnesota is a blue city. Uh, sorry, uh, Minneapolis is a blue city. Uh the state is blue, deep blue. Um all of these inner cities where things are the worst, where the disparities the worst, the equality issues are the worst, the, even the the where there is um problems with the police, they tend to be in blue clustered, blue controlled areas, democratic controlled areas. So if that were if that were the straightforward solution, it would it, all the empirical evidence points the opposite direction. So just just a thought there. If you do want to solve, if, if you do, you know, you study the issue out, and you say, man, here's where systemic racism still is, and um, the simple solution to vote Democrat is just foolish. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe in some cases, but by and large, and Nerva has lived in the inner city of Chicago where that's, again, deep blue, deep problems, not necessarily that uh, – not concluding that it's all Democrats' faults, but obviously it's not the solution. Um and so I think you need to be more careful with if there is a solution, it, it needs to be thought through more carefully than that. What I, I know you're giving me eyes over there, no, what you think?
1: I'm I'm good. <laughs> Nothing.
0: Um so, anyways, I think the the play here again is going to be to try to get certain votes in the fall. Um, if you vote for Trump, for instance, you'll be labeled a racist, a white supremacist. You just have for to sure. basically ignore sure. the labels um, yeah. and do whatever you, whatever you feel like, you know. God is calling the church to do uh, the, the biblical principles how you should vote don't worry about what people think don't worry about what people say um but my concern is again that we're going to just as the church we're going to adopt these this faulty ideology of critical theory a b That we're going to um, adopt the narrative that's being put forth by the media, whatever it is, COVID, racism. I don't know what it'll be next week, but I promise you it'll be something (laughs) Something to get the people stirred up against Trump. And then part three is they really want to take him down. I'll leave you with this last note. They don't hate us because they hate Trump. They hate Trump because they hate us. They used to love Trump. He was the man. He was in the songs. He was in the movies. That's true. Um, what the what the progressivists have been working toward many years is exactly what's up everything opposite of God's design for marriage family um sexual ethics trump got in their way and now they're trying to do anything they can to get rid of him <clears throat> and that part of that includes if they can make white evangelicals who've 80% voted for him if they can make 10 20% of them hesitant because they don't want to be called racist. And I just think that's part of the agenda that we're, that we're dealing with these days. Is there racism? Sure. Absolutely. Um, are there ways, are there things we need to move forward? Absolutely. Um, can we have, can we utilize this to the benefit of maybe something God's trying to correct? I think so. Do we need to avoid these other pitfalls? Yes. So that's that's what I would leave you with. Any last thoughts, babe?
1: Yeah, we just—I just want to reiterate that we do acknowledge the problems. We acknowledge there's a history of racism. There's still racism. What we are um, shining light on is some of the pitfalls of how we go about it. That's not in harmony with the Bible. Not in harmony with the Kingdom of God. And so, just want to help our brothers and sisters along the way. And um, yeah, that's it.
0: That's it. Well, thank you guys. i uh, be back next week with Neil Shimby, Critical Race Theory, and uh, see you soon.
1: Blessings.